This sermon audio is presented to you by Pastor Tommy Brandon and Calvary Church of Fort Worth. For more information, visit our website at calvaryftw.com. Well, this morning, I close our series on this Mission Sunday with this subtopic, The Joy of Giving. If you want to live an on-point life in the dot, if you want a bullseye to aim for in the here and now, there is a joy that you will never experience in any other way than valuing and enjoying and experiencing the joy of giving. Let me get started with you this morning. A first century Hebrew walks alone on a hot afternoon. He's got a staff in his hand. His shoulders are stooped over. His sandals are covered with dirt. His tunic is stained with sweat. But he can't stop. Time is of the essence. So he just plows along the old dirt road. Until he comes upon a shortcut. It's a shortcut that will get him from here to there. But he's got to cut across a field. So the weary, tired man walks across this field with his staff in his hand and before he stumbles over some loose dirt, he plants that staff into the ground to keep his balance and a thud happens. That staff strikes something in the soil and it's not quite sure and he thought for a moment, I'm so hot and tired, I must be imagining something, but he got his posture up and he stood straight up and he slammed that staff down again and sure enough, it hit once more. So he took that blunt end of that staff and he scraped around in that dirt and sure enough, the sun reflected back on him from just a little sliver of something shining underneath the soil. And this gentleman lays his staff down, goes to his knees, and with his bare hands begins to to remove the topsoil in this field that was just meant to be a shortcut from here to there. This was not even a path that he should have been taking, but he thought, it's going to save me some time, so I'm going to cut through here. And now he finds himself on his hands and knees, and he's cleaning off the topsoil, and there it is, a shiny box that's obviously been under the soil for many, many years. It's got some rusting. It's got some some breaking down of, of, of its materials, and there's a small little lock attached that's rusted and old, and deteriorated. And even though he was weary and tired and hot, he now has this sudden moment of enthusiasm and energy. So he figures out a way to, to pry open that lock. And he opens this little box that he just found. And inside the box, nothing short of gold, jewels, treasure. And the man is starting to think, am I imagining? 
Is this an illusion? Am I so hot and am I so tired and, and, am, I, and am I so out of my mind that I'm, that I'm imagining this? And sure enough, he takes those coins and he actually begins to roll them around in his hands and he realizes this is a treasure that's been hidden in this field. So he closes it. He finds him a little better hiding spot. And he hides that box full of gold and jewels and wealth. <clears throat> and he begins to look around that field and try to get an idea of the size of the property. Because Brother Martin Garcia, he's, he's a quick one. He may be tired and he may have dirty sandals and he may have a sweat-filled tunic. But he's looking around thinking... I've got to figure out a way to buy this field. Because in this field lies a treasure that's greater than anything I've ever imagined possible. So I'll sell my property. I'll sell my livestock. I'll sell all of my possessions just to be able to buy this field. I will sell everything to have the treasure. This little story is really summed up in the book of Matthew chapter 13. If you know anything about the story, if you've ever heard it, or if that little two-minute telling is your first Introduction to it, Matthew chapter 13, Jesus speaks these words that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy. Somebody say, in his joy. In his joy, he went and sold all that he had to buy the field. Now, most of us that are familiar with the story, your, your mind would go where mind wants to go. We would assume that, the, and most theologians would agree that the story being told is, is being told from the perspective that finding the treasure of Jesus Christ, finding the treasure of, of, of God's kingdom is worth you surrendering all. Just as our final song selection said today, it's worth surrendering all. But might I also offer a different angle, a different perspective. Some theologians, while may not be the majority, some feel that it's actually the story of God looking to the field of earth and finding the treasure of people and Him surrendering His very best in Jesus Christ in order to have the treasure of of people. So needless to say, whichever view you have, 
whether it be the view of you finding the treasure of Jesus Christ or of Christ finding the treasure of you, they both agree in this statement. And that is that there is joy surrendering lesser treasures to find a greater one. I'm going to say it again because some of you, some of you are just, you need a second cup of coffee. There is joy, everybody say there's joy in surrendering a lesser treasure in order to obtain a greater treasure. Now, all of us on this Sunday have just experienced one more crazy week, and I'll tell you a billion reasons why. Get it? Billion? Now you're getting it. Now it's coming together. And, of course, some of the self-righteous ones in the room, I have no idea what you're speaking of. Yes, you do. Just this week, someone surrendered a a $3 ticket. They surrendered a $3 ticket to obtain a billion dollars. Give or take whatever the rules are on all of that. But a smaller treasure for a greater treasure. One of our our incredible worship leaders in our church, she, she asked me, she said, What are the rules? What do we do, Pastor? What are the rules on this? If I win, I'll buy you a golden robe. And you can preach in a golden robe. And I said, girl, you win. I'll preach in a golden robe till Jesus comes. If you win that. I'll sleep in a golden robe. I'll get up and do tricks in a golden robe. All in having fun. Told the story this morning to a small group of of our team Back, back, back here this morning over coffee, and while we were all just getting ready to to serve the Lord and 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 bless bless our church today with our very best, we were laughing about the lotto this week. And I told the story. I have a vis- a vivid, vivid, vivid memory as a boy, and 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 there's not that many people in this room that would that would know where I'm talking about other than Bishop Ron and Sherry. But there was a little Conoco station in my hometown called Uncle Binks. Why people name their little gas stations weird names, I'll never know. But my dad pulled up to Uncle Binks and he said, I need you to go in there and buy me a lottery ticket. And I said, Dad, I'm, 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 I'm not making this up. I had to be probably 12. But with such a small town, the, the owner of the gas station looked out the window and he gave a thumbs up to my dad. And my dad gave him a thumbs up and I made the exchange. I gave the money for the lottery ticket and I took the lottery ticket back outside and my dad prayed over it. And for all of you that are just too goody, 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 you never win unless you play. And I'll never forget the older my dad, or, or the older I got rather, and then my parents moved here. It became a joke with me and my dad. And my dad said, I don't want to ever hear you preach against that lottery because I've not met a preacher yet that would turn the tithe down on a winning lottery ticket. <laughs> and I said, well, you kind of have a point. <laughs> the truth is, here's the truth. There is a joy in getting a deal. Everybody in the world would love a $20,000 vehicle if you only gave 100 for it. 
Everybody in the world would love a, a, a $10,000 piece of property if you gave $10 for it. There's, there's a joy in giving a lesser treasure to obtain a greater one. There's something about being able to release something that you've got that you're familiar with, being able to release what you have in, in an effort and in a faith to receive something that is beyond your imagination. And this is what this young man did. He took that staff and he drove it in the ground and he found a treasure and he opened the treasure and he started calculating it. There's no way I could ever have this, but I might could buy the field of which it's in. And he sold everything he had. He got all of his money together. And, and he gave it all in order to get the field. Because he knew if I could just get the field, I'll get the treasure. And he did not do it with anxiety. He did not do it being disgruntled. The Bible said in his, somebody say joy. In his joy. He went and sold all that he had and bought the field. Now what's crazy about money and possessions is that 15% of everything that came out of Christ's mouth recorded in Scripture had to do with money and possessions. Now I find this really interesting as a preacher. Not so much as a pastor, but as a, as a preacher of the Word of God that every day I try my best to, I, I look and I try to my best to be sensitive to where God's leading me to talk to people and to share Christ with people. He talked about money and possessions more than he talked about heaven and hell. And I find that really intriguing. And I would ask you to go and look and read and you'll see that that. You can combine all the heaven and hell references out of Christ's ministry. You can put them together and it's still less than Christ's teachings on money and possessions. Why? Because there's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and how we handle money. Now we want to divorce our faith and finances. We want to separate them. I'll, I'll talk about my faith, but I'm not talking about my finances. I'll talk about my finances, but I'm not talking about my faith. And in the truth of the scripture is, is that God seems to say that they're inseparable. Have you ever noticed in Luke 3? Have you ever noticed in Luke chapter 3 that John the Baptist is preaching to a crowd of people? And three different groups... Three different little pockets of people in the crowd asked Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry, asked John the Baptist the same question. Powerful question. Everybody needs to get this today. Three different groups, three different times asked the same question. We're here, John, because we're called to repentance. We're going to repent of our sin. We're going to turn away from our sin. By the way, John, what is a sign that our hearts are truly repented what is a sign, what is the fruit that we should expect to see in our lives upon this day of repentance? Luke chapter 3 verse 11, this is one of the answers that, that, that John the Baptist gave. You, you want to know what kind of fruit that you're going to produce in your life if you're fully surrendered and repentant? 
everyone should share their clothes and food with the poor. Well, what I ask you was, what kind of signs in my life will be seen if I've really repented? I, I, John said, I just answered you. Let me answer you again to another group, Luke 3.13. Tax collectors shouldn't pocket extra money. I'm sorry, John. What I'm asking is, what would we see different in our lives if we're really surrendered to God? And John the Baptist says, I'm I'm trying to help all of you. I'm telling you, if you really surrender to God, you'll, you'll, you'll be generous And if you really surrender to God, you won't be greedy. But I'll answer you in another way. Luke 3 verse 14, soldiers should be content with their wages and not extort money. So so John, what's your answer? What's the fruit that we should show in our lives that we're fully repented? Be generous. Don't live a greedy life. And be content. Three questions asking about a repentant lifestyle, and John answers all three with the topic of money and possessions. So he could not talk about spirituality without talking about handling the blessings of God that are on your life. Everybody look at me real quick. I'm going to say it again. He couldn't talk about spirituality. Without addressing how you handle the blessings of God that are on your life. There was a short little tax collector by the name of Zacchaeus. Luke chapter 19 records the incredible transformation of his life. Jesus was coming through town and this tax collector that's always used to to taking This tax collector that's always used to to reaching and grabbing. He wanted to see Jesus. But the crowd was too big. So he tried his best to get a a better point of view. And he elevated himself into a treetop. And when Jesus came by, he said, come on down from that that tree, Zacchaeus. And and matter of fact, where do you live? Do you live close by? He said, I just live right around the corner, Lord. He said, well, do you mind if I come in and get a a, a glass of water and spend some time with you? And everybody was appalled. He's, He's going into that tax collector's house. That tax collector's the one that takes all of our money. And yet Jesus is the one that supposedly is the Lamb of God that's come to take away the sin of the world. And he's going into the tax collector's house. And it wasn't long that Jesus was at the table of a taking, reaching, grabbing, greedy, lacking content sinner. And when Jesus went into that man's house, Jesus, grace in flesh, Jesus, salvation for a lost world. When Jesus went into a tax collector's home, the Bible says that Zacchaeus looked into the eyes of Jesus because you can't be in the presence of the living God without sensing a need to address your issues. And Zacchaeus looked at him and said, Look, Lord, here and now, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay them back four times the amount 
And Jesus said, today, salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus' radical new approach to money proved that his heart was right. What I'm throwing out early in this Mission Sunday is, if you want to know how your heart's health condition is, if you want to know the condition of one's heart, how do they handle the blessings of God that is on their life? Mark chapter 12, verse 42. I thought about this scripture during our song today that Adam led us in, that powerful surrendering all song. Mark chapter 12, verse 42 says, There was a poor woman, a woman without a husband. Her husband had died. And it's obvious that the husband had not left this woman comfortable financially. He left her, little country slaying, he left her in a bind. He left her in a tight spot. She's strapped. She doesn't have steady, solid, high income. The Bible refers to her as a poor widow. But yet, because generosity is not linked to an amount, it's not a number. It's a heart condition. The Bible says, then a poor widow came and dropped in two. Everybody say two. My God have mercy. Dropped in two small coins. And Jesus praises her and, she, and, and says, she, out of her poverty, put in everything. She didn't put in a hundred. She didn't put in a thousand. But she put in everything. And she got beyond the calculator. She got beyond the arithmetic. And she got into a heart relationship with God. And said, what can I do? Do it all. Do everything you can. And out of her poverty, the Bible says, she put in everything. Because when one gives himself to God, all other giving is easy. And then I love the story in the book of Acts, chapter number 2. That the newest of the newest of the newest followers of Jesus. I hope somebody catches this today. I hope somebody sees the revelation that's given to us in scripture. The newest of the newest believers. Miss Carol Whitworth, these are absolute fresh fruit that are on the heels of the upper room experience. The Bible says in Acts 2 and 38 through 39 that there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And then, and then they went and evangelized and, and, and thousands, some 3,000 or more people were added to the church. These are brand new followers of Jesus. And yet the Bible says in verse 44, if you want to know how faith and finances are connected, you can't have fresh on fire faith 
without addressing the financial blessings of God on your life. They go hand in hand. You can't divorce finances and faith, faith and finances. God says, I'm going to look at your heart and I want to know if it's fully repented. How do you know? It's if you handle the blessings I place on your life the right way. Verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and they shared it all with those in need. One of the scriptures I've used multiple times this month is Psalms 112. I've gotten a couple texts asking, hey, what was that one about generosity? And I've responded with Psalms 112, verse 5 and 6. Good will come to him who is generous. Anybody can handle a little bit more good coming into your life? Okay, I'm going to take it that you were not listening. Could anybody handle a little bit more good coming to your life? Thank God. I was thinking we had a failing class. I was just ready to, let's go back to third grade. Whew, I'm so glad you were just distracted for a moment. Could anybody handle more good in your life? The Bible says there's a solution to obtain more good coming to your life. And it says good will come to him who is generous and lends freely who conducts his affairs with justice, surely he will never be shaken. And if you remember from a few Sundays ago, you can't control the shaking, but you can control if you're shaken in the shaking. Generosity sets you up to not be shaken in the shaking. And a righteous man will be remembered forever. Jared and Stacy, if you'll come and get ready to help me in just a moment. 1 Timothy chapter 6 tells us concerning laying up our treasures in heaven. You will never miss, you'll never miss what you invest in eternity. You'll never miss it. Now, I know a lot of us in this room, we've, we've lived long enough to make investments that we wish we never would have made. <laughs> Can I get an amen? <laughs> oh, y'all awake now, ain't you? <laughs> y'all didn't miss that preaching point, did you? We've all made some investments that we wish we wouldn't have made. We've all made some investments that we wish we had back. But can I just bless somebody with this? That which is made for eternity you'll never miss it I've heard stories of people some even in this room this morning that have gone all in and made big investments into eternal projects eternal vision and while this earth would love to creep into your mind and tell you boy don't you wish you had it back can I tell you, in eternity, yours is coming. Because if you were here last Sunday, you heard me teach and lead you in the judgment seats of Christ. One of which, the second, the Bema, where God rewards the believer 
for everything they've invested. The Bema seat of Christ. This local church in the last year, because of your faithful giving, we've made substantial missions efforts in local, national, and international means. In a local sense, we've invested in to Crazy Eight ministry here in Johnson County. It houses abused women, feeds abused women, clothes abused women, and of course, any with children. They have the leading amount of free, free counseling hours by fully certified counseling in the entire Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, free of charge. We have women in this local church that are products of healing and restoration from Crazy Eight. Thank you for this last year's giving. It has made an incredible difference locally with abused women and their children. Another local missions effort that you've made a difference in is something on the complete other end of the spectrum. Project 4031 is a hospice modeled ministry. If you've ever heard of making a dream come true for a child with a terminal illness, this is exactly that model for the man or the woman or the child, no matter, no matter the age, for the one that's on hospice care. If there's a wish, Project 4031 steps in and they'll fly that daughter in from Europe to be at the hospice bed. They'll, 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 they'll fly the grandfather in from California to be at the hospice bed. They're a benevolent, giving hospice ministry led by one of the families in this church, George and Kathy Robertson. And your missions dollars make dreams come true for those in hospice care. Now from a national point of reference over the last year, this local church right here at 700 McPherson Road, we've participated with an organization called Association of Related Churches. The acronym is ARC, ARC. This organization does nothing, nothing else except plant new pastors in unchurched areas. That's all they do. You, along with thousands of others, we've helped plant countless churches into the hundreds in the last year. But there's two churches that I earmarked our funds to. One church is in Bernie, Texas. My friend, Pastor Mitch Rose. Another church is in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Pastor Jeremy Jean. Jeremy Jean came into my life because he heard about special needs ministry at Calvary Church because he has a daughter with Asperger. Never known his family, never known his daughter. Made contact, wanted to know all about Miss Annette Amos. We brought them to Fort Worth, put them in a hotel, gave them respite, put their child in our facility for a week, and we did it around our Destiny Ministries Conference that was held in the summer. Fellowship for the pastor, 
ministry for the child, you guys are making a difference. Destiny Ministries is a ministry that we support and we also host their annual conference or we have in the last few years. Global Network of Ministries is something that Bishop Ron has sat on the board of for many years and it oversees hundreds of churches. And I shouldn't have said the word overseas. It, it's a network of hundreds of churches of which we have fellowship with. And from Destiny and Global, your Harvey Hurricane Relief Funds made a dramatic difference. We were able to send teams through our missions efforts. Multiple teams went to Beaumont, Vider, Texas, Lumberton, Texas, as well as Houston through your missions giving. And then from an international point of view, we've made a big difference in Lithuania. We're in our 12th year, going into rather our 13th year of supporting Pastor Tony and Shasta Miller in, in Vilnius, Lithuania. And then my heart, somewhere that I frequent, somewhere that I'll be again next year. And I'm believing that it's probably time that we take more of you with us because last year we went to Lithuania together and uh, for many years we've taken large groups, some up into the 20s and 30s of adults down to somewhere that I have a heart for and that's Haiti and our partner there, Mission of Hope, Haiti. Right outside of Port-au-Prince and our money, our money is tied to our faith and our faith is tied to our money. And it's making a difference. Now time is of the essence. But I cannot tell you. Without giving you my vision for this next year. I honestly feel like I've heard from the Lord concerning this. We're going to continue in our local ministry with Crazy 8 and Project 4031. The hospice care. But I honestly feel led to do something that I've already gotten the blessing of Dr. Jimerson at the Burleson Independent School District. Your church, this building sits within the Burleson Independent School District. I know our address is Fort Worth, but this zone, all the people that live here, they go to Burleson schools in our area. There's 17 campuses in Burleson. Hands down, the majority of our parishioner base is Burleson. So therefore, this, this, this is what I feel led to do this year for local I want every single campus in the Burleson ISD, 17 schools, to be blessed with a $1,000 gift from this church. I've met with two separate principals, and they've both been just, um, for, for what reason? I said, for no reason. To, what do we need to do with it? Whatever you feel led to do with it. So, do you need your name on something? No. What? Are, you, are we supposed to have the paper here? No. We just want to make a difference. So we can do with, with whatever we want, whatever you feel the need is in your school. The superintendent of our school district said, bro, I don't understand that. Churches don't do that. He said, I've heard of churches coming in and doing like a project or something like that, but you're going to do this for every school? I said, I, 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 I'm not going to say that the Lord woke me up at 2 a.m., but I can tell you where I was when I felt impressed to do it. I was sitting in a library at Kerr Middle School 
hearing a presentation that Kerr Middle School operates on $84,000 a year budget for a thousand or more students with three different grades and that's all they have now I know we pay our taxes and <laughs> we get that right I just feel like something special could be done in a local ministry if we look to children and we're not going to put our hands on it that's called controlling and what I prepared to do today for my family is my family and I are going to take more than one campus we're not going to earmark the campus I think that's a little too controlling but I'm looking in all three services for families that will partner with me and let's see if we can get 17 campuses $1,000 at least now that's just local we're going to do some more stuff nationally going into this year nationally we're going to add a couple sticking with ARC ARC, sticking with Destiny and Global but instead of us just sending teams to disaster relief I've made a new connection with Convoy of Hope that's what they do Christian Disaster Relief and in the next few months I'm going to be soliciting in this church men and women that have a burden for disaster relief and we're going to create a disaster relief team and we're going to partner with Convoy of Hope which does it at an A plus five star level and they offer training so instead of just looking for a place to show up in Beaumont or Vider and make a difference we're actually going to have a, a little bit of strategy and a plan we're adding them to our national missions and then also Pulse Ministries and that's a millennial focused evangelistic ministry in America reaching millennials with super incredible technology and then finally internationally for this year is Lithuania and Haiti once again I want our ushers to quickly come I'm going to have to do a little bit better on my time in these next two services so as our ushers are coming quickly at this moment at this moment if I can have my scripture placed on the screen everybody if I can have that scripture I'm going to ask you to listen to this song and I want you to pray this scripture I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over. We've, been, we've had a month to do this. Make up your own mind what you will give. We're not going to tell you sob stories. We're not going to twist your arm. For years, I've asked you for a certain amount of money. I'm not doing that this year. I just want you to give what you feel led to give. I think I've put a ceiling on you for the last many years. We can do better than what we've been doing. God loves it when the giver delights in giving. Here's what I'm asking you to do. I've asked for this song to be sung today. I want you to pray this scripture. And then we're going to give our cash, global offering, check, cash, one-time gift. And then we're also going to place our commitment cards for monthly commitments. Let's pray. Father God, I ask you to bless this time of worship and reflection and seeking your will.